What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast, episode 183. It is Super Bowl week. Sean and I did a little bit of a Monday rundown here on a Saturday, getting ready for the Super Bowl. Talked MLB for a little bit, talked about the state of the game, how we're worried about it. Following that, we talked about the NBA, the All-Star Game. And then after that, we went into the Super Bowl, we talked about some props, then we made picks. A little bit of a side bet Sean and I had. We'll be back next week to recap the Super Bowl and the rest of the sports world. Follow us on Twitter at SorrySports, on Instagram, Sorry underscore Sports, and check out the website, SorrySports.com. Enjoy the pod, stay safe during the Super Bowl, and enjoy the big game. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast here on Super Bowl weekend. Tom, I can't believe we finally made it here, but uh, we did. How you doing this weekend? Doing all right, man. Excited to see the Super Bowl. Um, some normalcy, even though there's going to be some fans in the stands. Uh, not as many as usual, but we're slowly making our way back. Hopefully, everybody's still wearing their masks. I think twenty to 25,000 is going to be the cap there. So, No cannons. We'll no cannons for Tampa Bay, unfortunately. Oh, that's too bad. What a shame. Uh, we're going to go over our prop bets. Uh, we're going to make our picks for the Super Bowl, but we'll do that later on. Let's start with some MLB news today. And yesterday started, man. Um, Trevor Bauer finally has a home, and it's not in Queens. Yeah, interesting. Trevor Bauer took less money. Uh, I think he wants to win, and he is, by Vegas's odds, the best chance to win. I think the Dodgers are just ahead of the Yankees at plus 250, 275 to win the World Series and repeat. I mean, you just got the reigning NL Cy Young Award winner and added him to the defending champs that already have a good rotation headlined by Bueller and Kershaw. Um this is this is a huge deal, man. And yeah, three years, 102 million with 40 million for the first year, 40 million for the second. Um, and there's opt outs after years one and two. So if he wants to run it back, he can, or he can find a new deal either in LA or somewhere else. But uh, were you surprised that it ended up being the Dodgers? Because around Thursday, it looked like all signs were pointing to the Mets. I was a little surprised because. Um, I mean, even he said it himself, he wants the most money annually, and I just thought he was just going to go for the most money and the most security, so I figured it would be the Mets, because after losing out on Springer, I thought they were just going to throw the bag at him, but towards the end, it looked like he wanted to win, and that rotation is scary. It's really scary, and to the Mets' credit, they did throw the bag at him, especially like you mentioned, they offered him more money, I think they offered him 105, but... Can't yeah, the mad. opportunity. No, you can't. The opportunity to win with the Dodgers. You know, he went. He is a Southern California kid. He went to UCLA. Had that little rivalry with Cole. Um, but yeah, the Dodgers are an absolute juggernaut. And if they're not, if they don't at least get back to the World Series this year, barring any injury, this has to be a huge uh, disappointment. Remember, for David Price is coming back too. He opted out after. Uh, or during the 2020 COVID season. Yeah, they got a lefty-dominated starting rotation because they got uh, Uranus there, too. (laughs) Julio. Um, So he's their five-starter, and he's pretty nasty. He played a big part in them winning the World Series. So 
I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see this team, hoping the Yankees can make a few more small moves to beef up that pitching staff and whatnot. Um, and, and hopefully we, we beat them in the World Series. It'd be a beautiful thing to see. I mean, we've kind of been on this chartered course for a Yankees-Dodgers World Series for the last few years. That hasn't happened. Um, you look at the pitching market now, Paxton and Odorizzi are really the only two that have any kind of real attractive feature to them. Um, so we'll see if the Yankees can bring in either of those two guys. I'm sure the Mets are going to look to pivot as well after losing out on Bauer. I think Mets um, get Paxton and Odorizzi is just a massive question mark. Yeah, maybe the Phillies, if they want to beef up their rotation a little bit. Probably should. They just re-signed their catcher, by the way, JT Romuto. Yeah, that's right. So, obviously, that was the move they had to make the most this offseason. They also brought back Didi on a two-year deal, which Mm -hmm. we mentioned. So, that was good for them. So, we'll see where the last couple dominoes fall. But uh, the biggest name on the market that was still out there was was Bauer, and now he's he's an L.A. Dodger. Marcelo Zuna last night also re-signed with the Braves for I like four that years deal. $65 million. It seemed like he should stay there, right? And I like that deal even better, being that um, we probably have a DH coming down the pipeline at some point for the NL. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I, I couldn't agree more. They got him to play left field, at least for this year, and then with a new CBA in the works, uh, hopefully there's a universal DH. I know we want that. We also need to talk Arenado. Uh, this deal happened last week. We had Frenchie on the pod on Sunday, so we didn't talk baseball. But, Tom, I know... Frenchie's not a baseball guy, huh? He's not a huge baseball guy, no. Um, Mm. He is for... Not a lot of people are nowadays. And we're going to... After this deal, I think we're going to talk to State of Major League Baseball, and it's not good. It's not great. He treats hockey the way we treat baseball. So, Um, But, yeah, so the Nolan Arenado deal goes to the Cardinals, also signs an extension... The, the fucking Rockies also sent $50 million just to get off of his contract Oof. and leave a little bit of that salary to take back four, at best, mediocre prospects. I know you got a lot of thoughts on this, dude. What are you, what are you thinking, man? This is crazy. I think he's in the second year of a six-year deal. Um, uh, obviously, he signed a seventh year with um, St. Louis. All I have to say is oof on this one. It's egg on the face of the MLB. And Arenado, if he was, if Arenado was in the NBA, um, we'd be going absolutely wild on this. You thought Anthony Davis and James Harden forced their way out of town. They had two years left on this deal. This guy had like four or five. Um, and listen, I understand it because he was promised he was going to win. And, and they were, well, not win, but they were going to make moves towards winning from the ownership. Um, but that soured rather quickly. Um, and the MLB is in a world of hurt, and it's in a lot of trouble. Um, that's pretty much what I have to think about that. From a, from a player side, the Cardinals are getting probably, I think he's won a couple platinum gloves, including eight gold gloves. He's probably the best defensive third baseman. Him, and Ma- him Chapman, and Manny Machado will duke it out, and he's one of the best offensive players in baseball. I believe he is third in overall war, so we'll just say he's the third best player in Major League Baseball behind Mike Trout and Mookie, and I mean, they gave up literally nothing to get him. I'm getting uh, Mike Stanton trade vibes on this one. You went with the Mike Stanton, huh? Well, we still have one World Series, so. So no Giancarlo. Okay, yeah, um, yeah I agree with everything you said. Uh, I think you put it very well there. It's, it's not good for baseball, and it's really not good. I and mean, you want to see 
the competitive balance just slip away. I, I, I remember a conversation you and I had about baseball back before the season, the 2020 season started, and you made the point about how none of these owners in this sport, there's a good portion of them, rather, that aren't even liquid, that they really have no business owning these teams because they don't have any money. And they're hemorrhaging and, these teams as, as their assets in order to take out loans for other things. And it, it the, the league is in terrible shape. I mean, you look at... I understand a little bit more because I, I listened to the Ryan Rosillo podcast and he had a, a baseball writer from ESPN. I forgot his name. Jeff Passan. Jeff Passan on. And, and the Red Sox hired a guy from originally from Tampa and, and he's going to do the whole rebuild thing. Still reprehensible to trade Mookie. But, I mean, aside from the big teams, obviously the Dodgers, the Yankees, now the Mets are jumping in here. And I guess you could say the Cardinals and a few more. All these teams Cubs. are... Well, no, not even the Cubs because the Cubs are fucking. The Cubs are well, they, clearly trying to trying to shed payroll as well. Well, they were for years though. They were the most. They had one of the highest payrolls. In the they sport. were, but now we're looking at them, and they're they're just trying to become you know the Cubs of of before, where you know they just are signing one year deals and whatnot. And I mean, I'll, why don't you make your point on how you feel about the Arenado trade first, and then we'll go deeper into baseball because I think we're in a load of trouble. Sure, yeah. I definitely want to tackle the bigger picture part of this. Uh, obviously, you get one of the top players in the sport. If you're the Cardinals, you've poached now two two of the best corner infielders from the National League West over the last few years between Goldschmidt from the Diamondbacks and, and now Arenado. And you can't really even compare the deals because at least Goldschmidt, they, were, they gave up a couple good prospects there. Uh, and the Diamondbacks knew they didn't have a chance to win that much anymore, and they got something for him. Nothing here for Arenado. And you see just moves that show the the differential between the good franchises and the bad, exclude the payroll for a second, is the Colorado Rockies, when they extended Nolan Arenado, they had a chance to re-sign DJ LeMahieu. They didn't. They instead spent money on Brian Shaw and Jake McGee, and they all and uh, Wade Davis, who everybody knew at that point was pretty much done after all the innings he threw with the Royals and the Cubs. And they also didn't re-sign Adam Adovino. So you look up and down. This team has not been able to keep their stars going back to Matt Holiday. They traded Larry Walker to the Cardinals back in 04. Um, it's it's not good when you have so many of the teams in the sport that are in the same situation as the Rockies. Forget just the teams that lost a lot of money from COVID in the 2020 season. This was, this was before COVID was even close to being down the pipeline, my friend. We were talking about how free agency is weirder about three years ago. Yeah, because it is. And, and, now the, and the analytics also play a huge role in that. Because now teams are no longer trying to pay for past performances. They're they're looking up and down at every single quantitative stat that they can find on a player to say and and try to make sure that they don't sign him to a huge deal, which is obviously pissing off the players union. Look, I mean, Cardinals, good job by you guys to get him. He had a no-trade clause. They did it as quickly as they could, being the Rockies, to get rid of him before it turned into a Stanton situation. Still didn't get anything for him. But going back to the MLB, I understand the analytics part of it, but this is more of a more of a team's being cheap thing to me. 
Um, I, I mean, you heard Paston give out a stat that there's 10 or ten to 11 teams in the league that have a payroll under $80 million. That hasn't been the case since like 2002, 2003. You and I right. were in fucking grade school at the time, the last time this happened. And the competitive balance in the MLB is just off off the scales unbelievable i mean you talk about bad organizations and you can name a few in the nba that everybody prays on a la the timberwolves the knicks for a long time unfortunately the sacramento kings that's three teams that's a small percent of the league mlb's got clearly 10 or 11 i mean i know the marlins made the playoffs last year but it was a fluky year you can go up and down the league and these teams that lose 90 games four or five years in a row. It's just unbelievable. And then I understand it. You're not going to pay for past performance, and I completely respect that. But then you got Juan Soto, who Passon mentioned, on a deal making pennies. So obviously he's going to want to get his, and he's just a small example. Yeah. These younger players, I mean, there needs to be like a rookie scale where if these guys are great, they have the ability to go to arbitration earlier than six years into their career or whatever. Yeah, I mean, the team basically owns you, and then by the time that you're ready to really cash in, you've already had a couple of your best years not making the money you should. And you watch a team like the Rays, one of the things that they did for years with Andrew Friedman (laughs) – Jeff Passan mentioned this as well on that podcast that you mentioned. He, Andrew Friedman, who went to the Dodgers after running the Rays, and then Heim Bloom took over the Rays now in Boston, their template has been trade off their stars when they still have value to get more minor leaguers, develop the minor league pitchers and players to the point where then they can become cost-controllable assets, and then you lock them up. We saw Blake Snell even before the 2018 season where he won the Cy Young. They locked him up to about a six-year or five-year extension, making what, $12 million a year because he hadn't really done anything yet. And then they have to trade him because now he's getting past that point where he's becoming more valuable than what he's actually making, and the Rays know this is our best chance to trade him. And you can't have that many teams. I know we like to talk about how great and intelligent a lot of the front office people in baseball are now, but that doesn't make up for how dumb a lot of the owners are and how poor a lot of the owners are. Yeah, and honestly, before we move on to the NBA and football, which is actually still being, obviously still being played, I mean, I think all this culminates into a lockout. Me too. Straight up. Within the next three years, there will be a massive NBA or MLB, excuse me, lockout. And you saw how ugly it was between the players and the MLB, the MLBPA and the MLB last year trying to just figure out a schedule. And you're seeing it again this year, rejection after rejection. And and this is going to culminate into a lockout, bottom line. I'm telling everybody who is a baseball fan, to enjoy this 2021 baseball season because there's a very good chance there's not going to be a 2022 season. No, not at all. And honestly, I think the Bauer deal is a is a big representation of that because if there's a new CBA and it goes in his direction, he can opt out. But if there's not, he can always opt in. Sure. And no, that's he, why he has two years of opt-outs in a row. He played this contract perfectly. He got his highest annual value. But I also think it's very telling that these players are are on are on the are on the scent too that there is going to be a lockout. I mean, if the players' union is not going to accept a 154 game proposal that would have pushed the season back to April 30th with expanded playoffs, which means more money for more teams, 
plus being able to keep all the same rules that we saw in the 2020 season that I think a lot of people, yourself and I included, kind of were on board with. To just turn that down, keep in mind those 154 games were going to be prorated to 162. And the players still said, no, we're good. We're, we're think, ready to go to spring training I think training they're just now. at the point where they're just rejecting it to be spiteful. I agree with you. Because, I mean, hey, to get paid for, what, 12 games you don't have to play, and then you're getting a DH, the pitchers aren't going to have to hit, all that good stuff. I, I mean, it sounded like a deal match made in heaven for me, but these guys are... It opens are, up more jobs for these players, too, with the DH. Absolutely. I, I MLB's in a lot of trouble. It really is, man. Lockout within the next three years. You heard it here. Second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. It's uh, enjoy 2021. It's disappointing because it's supposed to be America's pastime, but it's run by a quarter of smart guys in the league being the owners and the franchises down from them and then three quarters of a bunch of imbeciles. Yep, and that's not good for business in any walk of life. Oh, well, those guys are not good businessmen, period. All right, let's move on to a league that's thriving a little bit more, the NBA. Sean, your Nets lost last night, but I don't really even know if that was the story. Um, Kevin Durant was on the bench for the first quarter with no mask on and then asked to leave. So I guess um, he was exposed to COVID, had back-to-back-to-back negative tests, including, I believe, two blood tests, which are pretty conclusive. Those rapid tests I don't really trust because I've had a lot of friends that – not a lot of friends. I had one friend that took a rapid test and then and then got a negative, but then they sent back the blood test a few days later, um, and he was positive, which is dangerous nonetheless for, for anyone because you think you're negative and you're walking around shaking hands, kissing babies, and you're giving everybody COVID. I think it's pretty stupid. Um but he was exposed, and they were waiting for that person's results to come back. Pretty stupid, because if he is carrying the virus or whatnot, you're waiting for the positive results to come back. I think it should be the opposite way. You should have him quarantine and not even be out there, and then when the results come back negative, go do your thing. Yeah, you laid that out pretty well. Um, he was supposed to start, and he didn't start. Like Right before tip-off, they said he wasn't going to start. Halfway through the first quarter, he comes back. He starts the ball, and then halfway through the third, after he picked up a fifth foul that was then overturned, he doesn't come back out. So you're thinking, oh, well, they're just going to keep him out with four. And then, nope, you see him beelining back to the locker room. And as a net fan, obviously I'm disappointed. You know, the loss is secondary. The Raptors, I think, are a better team than what their record shows. You've still got Lowry, Van Vliet put up 54 a couple nights ago. You've still got Siakam. I mean, that team's not bad. Powell. And... The Nets just didn't really have a lot last night, but the how can you focus with Durant coming in and out of games? Because the NBA, which I think universally gets applauded for how good that they handle things, and I think they aced the bubble. You and I both talk about the NBA probably definitely being out of the three major sports the best one. But Adam Silver's got a lot of egg on his face today because you can't tell me that any of this makes sense no matter how you try to slice it. If he, if he is contact tracing and it's inconclusive, and he's been in the locker room and on the bench with all of his teammates and is around shoot-around, also probably going up to guys on the Raptors, how is that game not not postponed? This game would have been postponed if this, if this was the beginning of the season, and yeah. then you let him go back out, and then you let the then you take him back out, but the game's still being played, and now they're going to Philly tomorrow, or today, rather, and they're going to play the Sixers, but Kevin Durant can't play, but everybody else can? 
and the Raptors are still on schedule to play their next game. None of this makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I think even as a Nets fan, if I was, I would have been much happier with the result of Kevin Durant being held out due to COVID protocol than this fucking rigmarole. Well, now what's weird about it, too, is Kevin Durant already missed time this year. He missed 10 days um, with the health health and safety protocols back around early January. So now this is happening again, and there's no clear-cut definitive ruling on him right now, which doesn't make any sense. And again, James Harden voiced his, his displeasement with, with what happened yesterday. Joe Harris did, too, and Joe Harris really went up and in on the All-Star game, just like LeBron did, saying, I, I just work here, man. Like, I, I, if I were an All-Star, I wouldn't want to go. And that segues me to my next point. What do you think of the NBA doing this All-Star game? It's gotten hit with a lot of backlash, and I don't think it's the right decision. As a Nets fan, I'd be very worried, and I think it is so stupid just for a little bit of a money grab. I think it's an absolute joke. Um, It's in Atlanta. I'd be really worried if Harden, who's probably going to be a starter, goes down there. Um, Atlanta is basically the strip club capital of the world. Um, And the further south you go, the less... Magic City, baby. Magic City on a Monday. The the further south you go, the less they believe in masks. Um, That's just... That's just a fact of 2020 and 2021. Um, I think it's so, so, so stupid. We don't need an All-Star game this year. The, the most fun part about the All-Star game is voting and see, seeing the lineups. Do the vote. Let, the, let LeBron and whoever else is a captain pick their teams over Zoom. And then, hey, if we get vaccinated, you can fucking run it back over the summer and you can steal a weekend from the MLB, for Christ's sake. You know what I mean? Like in the offseason. I'm sure all these guys would like to show up. Atlanta, after we're all vaccinated, would be popping off. You, James Harden can go crazy in all the strip clubs and then have 40 in the All-Star game. In the middle of the season... You, you have not only players, but the best players from each team going and congregating together. What happens if there's a COVID breakout? Does that mean out, that out, for two weeks, every single team is just without their best players? Talk about diluting your product. Just really for well one said. fucking exhibition game? Come on now. Re- really well said. And I, I'm obviously in lockstep with you. It's a really stupid decision. Again, a by a league that I think pretty much hits a home run every time. It's been a bad week for them. There's no reason to play this game. You heard LeBron pop off about how how pissed he was about having to play. I think uh, I, I think Silver will come to his senses. And especially league. if his yeah, especially if guys like LeBron and the faces of the league don't want to play, right? Because why would especially? Let's keep in mind a team like the LA Lakers. They had seventy something days off in between when they won the NBA Finals and started this season. And and much to our surprise, they have really not load managed. They've been going a thousand percent since the season started. They're kicking ass. And they this is a great opportunity for all of these guys to rest because keep in mind, we don't have as many off days now. They're trying to get a they're trying to get seventy two games in and finish a postseason by the middle of July. We're seeing a lot of back-to-backs. We're seeing a lot of two games in three days or two games in four days. Um, these guys need rest, and the best teams want to be left standing when all is said and done, and nothing about this arrangement that the NBA has set up for this game leads to leads to getting there. 
Yeah, and I don't know what it is contract-wise. I mean, you the way you made it sound was that they're basically required to play this game if it's being held. Um, yeah. And they were also told, by the way, dude, that there would not be an All-Star game when they agreed to the 72-game season. Well, I mean, that sounds like a little bit of legal jargon there, and they might have to get into that. Uh, the the, ML, the NBA, MLBPA, I got that shit on my brain. Jesus <laughs> Christ. They're a, uh, let's hope, um, what's his face, the... Is it Theo Epstein? Yeah. Let's hope he saves the day. Um, listen, let's just cancel the All-Star game. That's all I have to say. Am I going to watch it? You know what? I'm going to say no, because if anybody from the NBA listens to this podcast, maybe that'll make maybe that'll be the final decision. Um, my secretary texted me today and said that Judge has decided to start doing yoga, so he's clearly a listener. He's not doing hot, naked yoga, but that's no. we're going in or a step yoga. in the right direction. No goat yoga either, but yeah, him and Stan have been doing yoga. That's got to make you happy. That means that our, your voice and uh, our podcast is reaching out to these guys. Yeah, I mean, it's just a smart thing to do. There's two smart things to do in this world. Um, listen to me and listen to this podcast. Yeah, I, there and you you'll go. you'll be all right if you do that. You'll, you'll end up in the green when you're, when you're uh, getting put in the ground. Hasn't steered people wrong so far. Yeah. Um, we also saw in Atlanta courtside Karen this week, which I thought was a real big deal. And LeBron, I like how he handled it, too, because afterwards he said, you know, I really didn't ask for them to be thrown out. And I really missed that back and forth with fans. What did you take from the whole thing? I thought it was hilarious. I mean, listen, you heard the audio. There was a lot of fuck yous and stuff. It didn't go too far. It didn't go into a racial thing or, or down those lines or anything like that. So I, I thought the banter was fine. I mean, the That's only why problem, I said it was hilarious. And she admitted and she apologized that she took it a little too far and she shouldn't have taken her mask off. And that's all I ask. It, is she hot? I don't know. She looks like a Barbie doll to me. She looks plastic. I think she is. Like about, about 90%. But and if hey. she's 25, then I'm fucking... Seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that was something when I saw her. When, I'd I say thirty six, Karen. That's your age. I'm saying like young forties. Wow, man. I was twenty five. You never wow. know what that kind of plastic put in the lips and the face and ugh. Oh, it was it was quite the production, man. But yeah, I mean, I because nothing escalated to to racial slurs or anything really bad. I thought it was just. It's something that we probably saw a lot in pre-COVID times. Just it wasn't that publicized because, hey, we we know what the Spike Lee, Reggie Miller. There's like well, yeah, it's was. thirty. It's you know instead of there being two thousand people in the stands, you got thirty, forty. Right. Yeah. I for LeBron to be like, yeah, I kind of miss that. That that it helps drive me. I miss the relationship with the fans and the banter with the fans. So I thought it was kind of a. Uh, kind of a cool and funny thing that happened this week um tom you want to talk a little golf sure you want to go around the league really quick or how yeah, you feeling I guess about, we can. how you feeling about your nets i mean the jazz look great obviously they're in first place they they're looking like a pretty good team the nuggets are slowly making their way back the suns are falling out a little bit but d book was hurt um I mean, the teams at the bottom we kind of expected, except for the glaring Dallas Mavericks down at the nine seed and then the Miami Heat. Um, shame on the Mavericks a little more than the Heat because they've had multiple battles with COVID down in Miami. I mean, I don't know. How do you feel? Yeah, I, there's definitely some storylines from the league that and some trends that, I mean, they change so much. I mean, 
the Nets blow that game in, in D.C. and the sky is falling. Then two nights later, they beat the Clippers in probably one of the best games of the regular season. And then they lose last night with the craziness to the Raptors. And, and you know, like I said, Van Vliet dropped 54 against the Magic, hit, what, 11 threes Look, in the game? The, the Nets are where they need to be. They're, they're a three seed right now. If you're in the top three, you're right where you need to be. Uh, the Knicks are, you know, holding on for dear life with a 10 seed, but they're tied with the 9 and the 8 seed Hornets and Cavaliers. Hornets are looking special this year. There's a lot of teams that I don't look at. We're not at the point in the season, at least in my opinion anyway, where any team should definitively beat another team. No, not at all. Especially yeah. this year with the COVID going on and whatnot. Um, but with the postponements and everything, before we move on to golf... I, I just think we should have gone for another bubble. I know everybody was against it, but if you could have done two bubbles in two different locations, I think it would have been a lot better. Yeah, I just don't think the Players Association was going to agree to that. And for the most part, I mean, we've really just seen it be what baseball was and what we've had some incidents with football, and we've seen it in college basketball. Overall, the product of the games have been really good, and there hasn't been anything so so bad where it's like okay we got to shut this league down they're just going through some growing pains but most of the games are being played and the teams that are not being the safest well they have to pay the consequences simple as that absolutely and and real quick on tournament basketball the johnnies beat number three um villanova at carnesecca in queens and new york post article Eight hours ago, St. John's forcing their way into the tournament picture if we have a tournament this year. Dude, you got to love it. You texted me and said, how about my Johnnies? I said, great win. That was awesome to see. And after That was not like the UConn game. The UConn game, we the Johnnies, not we, I'm, I'm not part of the team, unfortunately, but uh, they they stole that game. This game, they straight up won. They, they were incredible defensively. They forced more turnovers than anybody else in college basketball. And they put the ball in the hole when they needed to. I know Richardson's not uh, not loved by the St. John's fan base because he's not really a New Yorker and doesn't have ties to the program. Fuck it, he has you guys, your team playing about as good as you possibly as you as you have been in years. Absolutely. All right, he's you ready to move coach, on? Man. You ready to move on to some golf really quick? Just talk about last talk week. I don't have picks because we're already on to Saturday for the waste management and the tournament out in. Uh, Saudi Arabia, which is just a money grab, and I don't think anybody from the Americas should be going to Saudi Arabia to play golf. Um, There's a big mess out there, as we know. Um, But with that being said, Patrick Reed last week goes on to win the Farmers Insurance Open. He was not one of my picks. Um, But listen, Patrick Reed's got a little, even more egg on his face than usual. Um, Again, he had, he claimed an embedded ball. Now, Rory did the same thing, but somebody stepped on the ball, apparently, so it was all fair and good. Rory, I mean, it's physically impossible for a ball to embed if it bounces. Um, Patrick Reed's ball on video did bounce, and then the problem was was that he picked it up and then called an official over, and he's got a massive history with um, bending the rules a little bit. And you know what? I might have to take a little bit of a different take on this. I, I, I love it. I, I just I know all the cheaters. other players hate it. But I love it. I mean, he's just looking for any advantage. And you know what? He doesn't even need to because he's that good of a player. But maybe it's what gets him going. Maybe it's what fuels him. And this guy may be a serial killer because after all this, 
any other player aside from maybe Tiger, who's just a machine, would probably fold under the pressure and everything being talked about them. This guy goes out and plays better. He just decompartmentalizes it like it didn't even happen, and he goes out and wins the tournament by five strokes, which was, I mean, the most since a couple years ago. Well, you've been well documented to show your defense of cheaters, minus the Astros. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I respect the Astros. The thing is, you know, you got yourself caught. I mean, technically, Reed got caught, but he got away with it, so fuck it. Hey, if you can get away with it, that's more than half the battle. The and problem with the the him. problem with the scoring officials is, I mean, if you ask a volunteer, these volunteers are like 80 years old, and you actually have to pay to be a volunteer at some of these tournaments. And then the scoring officials either try and make it about themselves, or it takes them eight years to get over there. So I, that's on the PGA. If Patrick Reed's going to take advantage of that because the way golf does its scoring is an absolute joke, then that's how it's got to be. There you go. Now, question for you. Have you gone out and played since we last talked about it? Uh, no, I have not. I, I play every once in a while in a simulator league. I played that once, um, but it's just not the same. I'm going to be getting a new set of irons soon, though, which I can't wait for. Nice. Yeah. Get um, it back out there and battle the cold. I will be. I mean, I looked at the end of February forecast, and we're going to be in the 40s for about a week and a half straight. So I will be playing golf as much as uh, as much as possible. Um, but no, I will not be doing that this weekend. There's a shit ton of snow still on the ground here. Um, we got hit really hard. Yeah, uh, I heard like you got like 14, 18 inches or something crazy uh, like that. 36, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I was out here shoveling. Um, and I was talking to my girlfriend, who I'm helping move today, and she actually demanded that I say her name on the podcast, so her name's Michaela, and um, she said that she wants to move. And I said, let's go, let's head down and check out Austin, you know, Sean, Sean will give us a tour. More than welcome to come down here. I'll show you around. Sounds good. All right. Ready to talk some NFL? I'm ready, man. All right. You want to, well, let's do our little props first, and then we'll pick the game. Cool. I'm going to just run through a list here for you, Okay. and um, I want to get your take on him. So first, coin toss, who's going to win it? I think that the Buccaneers are going to win it, and it's going to land on Tails. Tails never fails. I mean, it's probably 50-50, so I'm going to go with Tails at this point. Great. And I got these prop bets off DraftKings, by the way. First play from scrimmage, is it going to be a run or a pass? I think the Bucks are going to take the ball. Belichick's not coaching Brady anymore, so they're going to try and score, and I think it's going to be a run to play off Lenny. They're going to get a first down on that drive? Uh, yeah, I think they'll get a first down. Um, I think they're going to score. I love it. What's the outcome of the first coach's challenge going to be? <sighs> I think these coaches are going to keep the challenge flag in their pocket until there's something absolutely blatant. So I think the call will get overturned, whatever it is. We got a pretty interesting field goal kicker matchup in this game. We got Bucker, who can't make extra points or chip shots, but he can drain them from 55. Mm-hmm. And you got suck up for uh, for Tampa Bay. Over under the longest field goal of the game being over 47 and a half yards. I will take the over on that. Me too. I could see, you know, the the Chiefs getting the ball at the three-yard line, Mahomes driving them down, and with three seconds left, Bucker drilling a, a 52-yarder. Keeping with the special teams 
total punts for both teams over under six and a half under these teams both like to go for it a lot yeah they do and i love that too about both these teams um team to score the longest touchdown i am gonna go tampa and i'm gonna say there is a james harrison type pick six here wow that's a bold move i love it i'm gonna go with kansas city i could see it Sorry, not even kill. being like yeah not even like a bomb throw i could see one of those wide receiver screens to like him or pringle or hartman and just taking it the distance um will the game go into ot or no we've only had one super bowl ot well we know who wins those games um that is tommy touchdown uh i don't think so okay what do you think i'm gonna say no i i think it's gonna be close to the wire but i don't think we're going into extra time um total number of touchdowns over under six and a half over going way over yep me too this is going to be a shootout, man. I, I'm, I really don't see a way. I think there's going to be some special defensive plays made, but I don't think it's going to be a defensive, you know, struggle. Um, MVP position, is it coming from one of the two quarterbacks or another player? Other. Got any names in mind? JPP. Hell yeah. That you're would making be great. Me, you're making me give away my, my pick here, but JPP. I love it. Well, you're going to have to give it anyway, and – color of the Gatorade bath we've got red plus 200 orange plus 125 blue plus 700 where are you calling this thing going red if I think Tampa's gonna win they want to keep it color coordinated Arians is gonna get showered in some red Gatorade uh, I like it I'm gonna go I'm gonna go blue here I'm okay. gonna take the blue Gatorade been now, a while. It's, actually, it's been a long time so I think it's uh it's about time it's come back around in the rotation let's talk about this football game I think it's probably, despite no radio row and obviously COVID times, I think it's the most anticipated Super Bowl by just pure football fans. Best matchup in a the very long is time. Fucking, it's fucking remarkable, dude. So why don't you break it down a little bit for us and just see how the game's going to play out in your mind before I go into my thoughts. I think it's going to be a high-scoring shootout game. I think it's going to come down to who makes less mistakes um, and basically who's more ready for the moment. If there's a dude that's ready for a Super Bowl, it's a guy going to his 10th and looking to win his 7th, and that's obviously Tom Brady. He is sleeping in his own bed. That's the first time in Super Bowl history that's being done. I think that makes a little bit of an impact. Not to mention that the Chiefs aren't going down there and being able to get ready for uh, about two and a half weeks. I think they're they they're probably arrived by now. I think they went down there yesterday. Um, and I also think that Tom is going to be able to decompartmentalize all this COVID shit and whatever and just go out there and win. He has faced... More adversity in the Super Bowl coming uh, back 28-3 to and all that good, and even losing in those Super Bowls and been able to come back and win. So I think Brady's going to be able to pull it out. It's going to be an absolute shootout. I think that the defense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is going to be very important. I think that they're going to double, maybe even triple team Tyree Kill. And I think Devin White is going to be able to give um, Travis Kelsey more problems than any other guy in the league just off the fact that he is probably a little bit faster than Kelsey. He's a strong guy. He's going to be able to defend him. I think Kelsey's still going to get his, and Hill will as well. But I also think that they got some game breakers on the offense, on the defensive line as well. And like I said, I have JPP to win um, MVP, and I think he's going to have three sacks and possibly even a forced fumble. 
Um, and then I have Tampa Bay just throwing the ball all over the yard. They got a ton of weapons that the Chiefs aren't going to be able to account for all of them. Not to mention, I heard that there's a inside. I'm an insider now. Um, I heard that there's a little bit of a COVID bout running through the Chiefs locker room. Nobody of notable name yet, but you never know with that. Not Haircuts. and also, what'd you say, my friend? Haircuts. Haircuts. That's where they got it. Yeah. Did you see that? No, so I, I just Chiefs- heard that they had COVID. Yeah, so there was a uh, they brought in a, a hairdresser to do some haircuts for some of the players. It's called a barber, and, Sean. What is? You've been talking to your mom too fuck, much, hairdresser. And he got a fucking hair. He got a fucking uh, half haircut, dude. The guy was rocking half of it off, half of it done, and it was great. And that too had COVID, so nice. Oof. Okay. Not um, great. Not what you want. Also, aside from the COVID bout that they're battling, their offensive line is also in shambles. I think they have a backup at damn near every single position. Um, And again, I said JPP is going to beast on them. I think Leonard Fournette scores a touchdown in this game. I think Tom Brady rushes for, I think he definitely hits the over. Um, And I think he throws four touchdowns in this game. I like all of those picks. And you can give me the... Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus three. I think they're going to win this game outright. Obviously, I mentioned last week or the week before that I have this game hedged, so I really don't care who wins. I'm actually rooting for Tom Brady. Now that he's not in New England, I'm just going to root for greatness for him to pass MJ with championships. Still hasn't passed Bill Russell. I don't think that will happen with 11. Um, and I think the final score is going to be 37-32. to 32. There you go. Over-unders, 55-and-a-half. Uh, you mentioned the Chiefs being the three-point favorite in this game. I think that we're going to see something along the lines of a 45-41 to 41 kind of score with Kansas City ultimately pulling it out. I'm rooting for Brady, too. Um, I would not be upset to see the Chiefs win because I love Mahomes. But I think that there's just a little too much offensive firepower and what I liked the most about what the Chiefs did in the AFC Championship game was they finally broke that stretch of looking a little sleepwalky throughout a couple of the regular season games and also the game against um, against Cleveland in the divisional round. They came out, and after they were down 9 nothing, they never looked back, and they just fucking stomped on a damn good Bills team who we thought were maybe playing the best football out of any team in the NFL at that time. Not taking anything away from what Brady and the Bucks did up in Lambeau, Obviously, some bad coaching by Green Bay helped aid that a little bit. Let's not forget, as good as Brady played, he did throw three picks in the second half. It's not going to happen again. And it may not happen again. These two teams met back in Week 12, and it was another close game. The Chiefs were up a lot. Then the Bucs came storming back. Their offense is a lot better now. It looks like it's a lot more cohesive now. Brady's not just stepping back and throwing the ball 45 yards in the air like Bruce Arians was having him do early on in the season. It's a lot more typical Brady while also being able to open it up. I think the X factor in this game is Leonard Fournette. If Leonard Fournette can put together another good rushing game and have even just a couple of big carries and get in the end zone once or twice, I think Tampa Bay is going to end up taking it. But I have a little trepidation about that because, you know what, the Chiefs give up a lot of big yards and a lot of big plays, but they also find ways to get stops when they absolutely need them. And remember last year, they were trailing for the majority of that game against San Francisco, and they were able to pull it out with a couple of big plays because that's just what this team does. So I like the Chiefs 45-41. 
And I like an unsung hero. I like a guy like either Pringle or Hartman to win MVP. Wow, you're really going out there. You're going with one of my bold picks. Um, all right, buddy. You want to make a little side bet on this? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Ten bucks. Overall winner. We don't have to go with the spread. All right. The Venmo's always open. Venmo's always open. Let's fucking do it, man. All right. You got the Chiefs, and I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We don't have to worry about spreads or anything. We'll just go with the overall score. Um, All right. We're going to rank our top five Super Bowls we've ever seen with our own two eyes. Yeah, let's just do that real fast. Um, What was the first Super Bowl that you remember watching, like start to finish, or even just like actually being able to pay attention to? Um, I think it was the Eagles Patriots with McNabb, and that was a big one because that was the Janet Jackson halftime. No, Janet Jackson was the um, Pats uh, Panthers. No. Yeah. No. You're look sure? It up. Yeah, look it up, man. Maybe it was the Pats Panthers then. Because I remember I, I left halftime and I missed the nipple. <laughs> well, that's actually number five on my list, by the way. Oh, that really? Game. Yeah. Okay. It uh, wasn't the first one I remember watching. But yeah, check that. I'm, I'm almost certain that that was that game. No, nah, you're wrong. I don't, I don't think so. 2004. Yeah, it was. You're it was right. The, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, there. Yeah, there you go. God damn it. Thirty-two twenty-nine. Tom it was Brady a crazy, wins MVP. And it was a crazy game because there was no offense in the first quarter, and I remember just being like, "This game is stupid. This game sucks." And then in the second quarter, no team could get a stop, and it was just Jake Delhomme and and Tom Brady throwing the ball all over the fucking place. And then third quarter was a lot like the first. And fourth quarter, a couple huge plays. Brady drives again, and Vinatieri hits another game-winning field goal. Yeah, so my number five is going to be the second Giants Super Bowl. Okay. I'm a little bit younger than you. You're in your 30s now, so... Whoa, right. whoa, 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 whoa. You hold your fucking... You, you bite your tongue on that. 30, my ass. I'm holding on to 29. I'm going to um, hold on to it like grim death. <laughs> the uh, the second Giants Super Bowl win was uh, was a great one for me. That was a great game, uh, but amazingly, didn't make my list, so you can't call me a homer. Mm. Um, by the way, the first Super Bowl I remember watching was the uh, Giants-Ravens Super Bowl. Oh, when the Giants not, got their shit pushed in? Yeah, which was not a good game. Um, uh, Kerry Collins? For, <laughs> Kerry Collins, yeah. Oh, man, their only touchdown was a kick return. That was it. Uh, Super Bowl 51 made my number four. That was when the Patriots beat the Falcons, and they made the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. We all know how what the score was. It was 28-3. Now, what's a better comeback? Red Sox against our Yankees down 3-0 or that Super Bowl? I think it's the Red Sox just because it was over it's a seven games. Yeah, they had to win four games before the Yankees won one. I'm going to agree with you. But as far as just one game, this is crazy. And I remember watching this, and I'm thinking, I can't believe what I'm seeing. I know the Falcons are good, but... What even happened? And, and watching that game and, and seeing the Pats come back, obviously Julian Edelman's catch on that crazy deflection and then uh, James White running it in in overtime. The thought that I had was finally like, okay, you can definitely say it was a Belichick-Brady partnership for a lot of the other games. 
not not this game. This was all Tom Brady in this game. Absolutely. And uh, terrible coaching by Atlanta. Oh, yeah. I mean, finally Quinn gets fired. It was a long time coming. I would have fired him right after that Super Bowl. Um, for me, my number four is it's got to be um, the Pack, not the Packers, the Pittsburgh Steelers Arizona Cardinals Super Bowl. Yeah, that's that's a great game. I actually have that as my number two. Okay. Yeah. What do you have at number three? I got the Patriots Seahawks game from Super Bowl Forty Nine. Obviously, the Malcolm Butler pick in the end zone. That was such a great game, and, and I thought one thing about that game that unfortunately is lost to history a little bit was the Javon Curse catch that he made deep down the sideline that set up the Seahawks to be able to go for it from their own one to possibly win the win the game. Because if you recall, that game was in Arizona, which was where the site of the David Tyree catch was. So I remember watching that game like, oh my God, this place is fucking cursed for the Pats. How the hell does that catch be made? And now the Seahawks are going to run it in with Marshawn, and obviously that didn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm in lockstep with you at number, what is this, three? Yeah. That's my number three, was that pick. It just came out of nowhere, um, and Brady went and got another Super Bowl there. It, it was such a great game, and we've had a good stretch. I mean, just taking out that Panthers-Broncos game, that was no good, and obviously the debacle that was Seahawks-Denver, that was terrible too. But for the most part, a lot of these games were good, or at least close. I mentioned number two, Steelers defeating the Cardinals. That was the Santonio Holmes catch, one of the best throws and catches um, and that was after Kurt Warner threw, got um, Larry Fitzgerald a touchdown to set up to give the Cardinals the lead with time tr- uh, ticking down. Oh, yeah, that was a great touchdown. Number two for me is your New York Giants in 2007, I believe, um, with the David Tyree catch against the, what was it, 17-0 and Patriots team? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's my number two. That game was just... With no dog in the fight, obviously I've had no dog in the fight for any of these Super Bowls. <laughs> the Jets haven't been to a Super Bowl. I don't even remember the last time they went. They, oh, they've only gone to one. And they, they've got a 1,000% winning percentage, Sean. Um, there you go. Well, at least you got something. Yeah, that was back in uh, 1969. Um, I think my dad was nine, so I wasn't even close to being born. Um <laughs> Yes, yeah, so the Giants in 2007 is my number two, and I'm going to go ahead and say that's your number one. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. And it's not even homerish. I mean, just that 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 Tyree catch was the anti-curse catch where it did set up the game-winning touchdown, and I think if Curse's catch held up to lead the, the Seahawks to the game winner, it would have been a coin flip for me. But obviously going with my homer pick, this was the game that, you know, you're coming off that Week 17 game. That was a really close game that the Giants could have won. They go through Tampa, Dallas, and, and Green Bay to get to the Super Bowl, and they're the biggest underdog in Super Bowl history. And, uh, yeah, just huge play after huge play. And That game from start to vulnerable. finish, that game from start to zero was fun because I'm sure you remember Randy Moss almost caught that Hail Mary. Yes, yeah, that's not talked about nearly enough. Yeah, that 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 would have put it easily at number one for me, crushing the hearts of Giants fans. Number one for me is the Atlanta Super Bowl. Yep. 
just the comeback. I mean, the fact that you're watching the Patriots, who I hate, get shit on, and and you're like, oh, this is going to be a snooze fest, and then you sit up at halftime, and and they're just Tom Brady's just shredding them, picking them apart um, to a comeback. I just thought that was the best Super Bowl ever. It it, it it's in the discussion for sure. Because you had action, I mean, you had action throughout. Although it wasn't back and forth action, it was just one side then the other. But I, I mean, and then to go to overtime and the, and the Patriots get it. I mean, of course you knew that was going to happen. The second overtime happened. Right. Yeah. And obviously you can put the first Patriots Super Bowl in there. Um, I was a little too young to really remember that game perfectly. I, I remember the Panthers won a bit more, a bit more clearly. And obviously this is just since we've been watching. So nobody had us about you're excluding anything from the 70s, 80s, whatever. We're not. We weren't watching games. We said we've ever seen. Right. So that's all we really have to say. Some people don't listen. Some people are stupid, and they shouldn't be listening to us then. (laughs) I'm with you. By the way, thanks for saving me with the barber. I did a phone call with my brother and his girlfriend yesterday, and she's a hairdresser. So I had a hairdresser in my mind the entire fucking time. So thanks for saving me with that. Um, but take a look at that dude. I think uh, it's one of the reserve linemen on the Chiefs. Take a look at his haircut. He posted it. It's fucking great. And now he's got COVID. <laughs> now he's got COVID. He ain't playing. Um, anyway, man, looking forward to talking about this game with you. It was a great football season. I can't believe we got through it, and goddamn, did we need it. Got through it, played every single game, um, had a lot of fun this year. Obviously, I'm a fantasy champion, so I'm already a champion. Looking for Tom Brady to become one as well. Um, and, and then I could become champion over you and get my $10. Um, did you read the book I sent you yet? Dude, I'm three chapters in. I'm loving it. want to shout you out, by the way. I was going to do that before we hung up the phone. You got me the Can't Lose Them All Cousin Sal book. Um, really appreciate you. That was a nice move by you. And uh, reading the first three chapters, talking about his grandparents. Um, I hope you got wife. some laugh-out-loud quotes in there. Oh, dude, he's great. I love his writing style. And, and listening to him enough on, on the Bill Simmons pod and then listening to a couple of his podcasts on his Extra Points Network, you can just hear his voice uh, you know, going through it. So I've really enjoyed it. Good to hear, man. Good to hear. I hope everything's good down there. Everything's good, What's dude. the plan uh, for the Super Bowl, by the way? I got to ask. What's, yeah, of course. What's the game plan here? We're going to go to a friend's spot. Um They've got a uh, nice, spacious apartment, so I think there's going to be about six of us. Mm. Uh, not not too crazy, obviously, because of COVID restrictions, and we, we don't want to take any chances, but uh, doing some barbecue for it, um, watching football Texas style, so I can I can take a uh, I can take a page out of that playbook I'm looking forward to. How about you? So you're getting Franklin's, right? Damn straight. Who's That's going... the one where you got to wait in line. Yeah, who's like, going to wait in the line? Nobody. If you're picking up, you can just go over and, and grab it. So oh, that's great. That. Yeah, yeah. What are you for doing? me, um, I'm going. To, I believe I'm going. To Michaela, my girlfriend. Her name is Michaela, by the way. She yeah, you demanded, gotta say her name. She demanded her name I say her every name. Every time uh, now. She's working, so unfortunately, uh, so she's going to be at work uh, during the during the during the Super Bowl. So I will be going to my friend Dylan's house. Uh, we go there pretty much every year. We already got pizza dip being made. Um, my right. friend, my buddy Ryan's making uh, buffalo chicken dip. I am probably going to make a little chili no beans, which is uh, a specialty of mine. And then my mom is going to make Dylan, it's his favorite, some fruit dip. And he does not use fruit. He eats it with a spoon. 
Um, <laughs> so I will not be enjoying any of that, but he's going to get a giant container of fruit dip. Well, good for Dylan. Um, are you going to ha- are you going to be actively? We t- we ran through those prop bets. Are you going to be actively uh, engaged in a couple of prop bets tomorrow? Yeah, I've got a taste on a few of them. I've got a big parlay that um, you'll never hear from me again if I win it. Because um, <laughs> I'll be on an island somewhere. I might invite you out. You never know. Um, yeah, well, that's, at least it'll be good to know. I have to find a new co-host. Yeah, I mean, Will will be available. Well, Will will probably be asking me for money, but he'll be available. Um, maybe he'll be on that island. He always wanted to be my driver, so if there's cars on this island, then... Oh, what an aspiration that is. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I, I've definitely got a taste in there between um, FanDuel as well as, um, uh, obviously, the book I use. I'm not going to shout them out. No need to. Well, best yeah. of luck to you, sir. And we've got our ten dollar bet going on. So uh, enjoy the Super Bowl, everybody. Stay safe. Not too many parties. Not too many big gatherings. And just enjoy what should be one hell of a football game. Absolutely. And, and Patrick Reed, if you want to come on and defend yourself, this is a pro Patrick Reed podcast. You are absolutely welcome. And pro cheaters all around. Tom, pro good cheaters. talking to you. Yes. And uh, we'll be back next week with a rundown. Absolutely. We'll be back with a Super Bowl recap, and hopefully there won't be an all-star game. Everybody stay safe. Don't do anything silly during this Super Bowl. Wear your masks.